Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm Alan Moore and you're listening to Gaelic Games Europe's weekly podcast, This Sunday's Game. Very warm welcome to the second of our two-part special with elite referee David Goff. Last week we discussed how important it is to respect referees and for referees to enforce and actually know the rules and of course how important it is for all children to be able to play a game. This week we're going to delve a little bit deeper into David's life and show just, just how far we have come as an association, how much further we also need to go and how the LGBT community can add and help us develop as an organisation. We also asked David just what else is left to achieve since he's already done an All-Ireland final. But first, a bit of news. As COVID cases continue to rise in Ireland, all Ulster Ladies Club Championship Games have been postponed indefinitely. There were 10 games down for this weekend alone. A statement issued by the Ulster Ladies Executive said that following a recent upsurge of COVID-19 cases province-wide and Donegal moving to level three and a number of positive cases in LGFA clubs, after careful consideration, the executive felt that it is in the best interest of our members to postpone the Ulster Ladies Club Championships 2020. They went on to say that should there be a significant decrease in COVID cases and lighter restrictions in place, then we will review this decision on the 12th of October. In Longford, the Senior Football Championship semi-finals scheduled also for this weekend have been postponed due to two cases of COVID-19 among active members of a GAA club in the county. A statement from Longford GAA said that you may be aware that two COVID-19 cases have been confirmed in our county over the past couple of days. These two positives are active members of a GAA club. However, the source is not GAA related. Of course, the public health authorities are liaising with said players and clubs. As leading pundits who are pushing to restart GAA continue hiding, former All-Ireland winner with Kerry Tommaso Shea told Saturday Sport Yesterday on Radio 1 that as club players and inter-county players, we are amongst the community. This COVID is flourishing and thriving in the community. And when you look at a team, it's full of teachers, guards and accountants. Of course, we know that it is blindingly obvious. However, a lot of people have lost the run themselves in this time. And finally, as Bayern Munich continue in the footsteps of Liverpool by claiming the UEFA Super Cup by beating Sevilla in Budapest last week, in Roland Garros, Paris, the French Open tennis is underway. Now, there was a big kerfuffle yesterday with Victoria Azarenka of Belarusia, not the warmest of countries, complaining that it was too cold. She stormed off the court to put on a pair of leggings before coming back to beat her Montenegrin opponent 6-1-6-2. She roared at the line judge that, I'm not sitting here because I'm going to get frozen. I'm not waiting here a couple of minutes because I am cold. It's eight degrees. I live in Florida. I'm used to hot weather. It's very well for some. And now off to Dublin and for our chat with David Goff. Listen, okay, we're going to move on to something now, well, lighter, because we've been very serious on things, so I'll ask her a little bit. Uh, <laughs> very serious. I'm sweating here with all the serious questions. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm usually never like this. I'm usually like always very lighthearted, my goodness. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I was getting abused for the last week about um, questioning Liverpool, and uh, so I was trying to, okay, I'll be, I'll be a little bit more relaxed today. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, listen, do you think that you get... Do you get a hard time uh, more because you're a Meath man or a referee? Oh, God, Jesus. I think I get a hard time more so because I live in Dublin than anything else, not because I'm a Meath man or I'm a referee. I think it's the Dublin connection that has the, the whole world or certainly parts of Ireland up in arms. 
uh, which is hilarious for me. I'll happily wear my Mead jersey out to referee any, any inter-county game. Uh, I've been a Mead supporter all my life and uh, all right I live and work in the capital that's where that's where um, that's where my life is and I'm going to be honest here Alan that is where um, there's probably more of a life for a single gay man in 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 this country in Dublin and uh, it's just a more comfortable place for me for me to live not saying that my village at home wouldn't be comfortable place but there's just more for me to do up here and uh, yeah no I, I don't get much abuse for being from me or, or for being a referee. I think it's, it's because I live and work in the capital is the one that's caused most trouble over the past year. But geez, we'll not delve into that one again. No, no, no. Let's, let's leave the All-Ireland final out because, I mean, for me, I, I, was, I, was, I was in shock when I heard that. I was like, he lives in Dublin. I mean, that disqualifies a million and a half people, like, you know, and, and, I, and I always said, as, as I said before we came on, like, you know, people from Slane, I don't really count as being from Meath. You know, it's, it's led with... <laughs> Which country? That's it. Yeah. yeah, we're on the border with Loud. In fact, the football pitch in Slane is that far um, over in East Mead that if you kick the ball high enough over the goal post and behind the net, it'll roll down the hill and into the River Mattock. The far side oh, of that God. river is it's County Loud. So that is the corner of, 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 of County Mead that, that, that uh, my club is. But just the right side of the border, I'd say. Just the right side of the border. You have to say that to rescue it. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I, I, I'm very loud biased, but that's okay. Again, I, I, just, I, I have good, as much as I would give out about 2010 to Leinster final. I would also say that I have family living in these uh, around that boy, and um, I, I forget. And we used to be a very, very big hurling uh, part, Kilmessen, sorry, and uh, and I worked for many different summers in Nobber in County Meath. So you don't get more mead than that, like, you know, so... Uh, no, you don't. That's the real heartland of mead. Yeah, Hurling yeah. country. Like, working on an archaeological site down by the River Dee in the middle of a bog. <laughs> still probably dirt grained into my fingers. Uh, not, 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 that's not about my hygiene or, you know, cleanliness. It's just basically, it, you know, yeah. when you spend summer after summer digging there, it does. Um, coming into referee, do you find that there, there might be sort of that some counties would say we don't want him refereeing? Because we've had that in soccer, for example, where teams are allowed to pick and choose referees. Behind the scenes, of course, but sometimes it's quite uh, open. Yeah, oh, God love them. Like, if that's what they're looking at, uh, to gain advantage in a, in a football match. I mean, that's a, a pathetic stance to have to take to try and win a match. Uh, they should be looking at themselves first before they, they look at any referee. I, I can say, honestly, at the level I'm refereeing at, the impartiality is at the highest level. The only thing I want to do um, when I referee is do such a good job that they're going to say, he's refereeing well this year, he's getting a, a provincial final, an All-Ireland quarter final, and then a final. That's priority for me. I don't really care about anything else. People don't understand that when a referee walks out, you know, even, you know, I always hated refereeing my own team because I was inherently biased against them. And I would be, I'd be pulling lads up and say, listen, in training, I told you, you don't do that. Now it's a free. I told you it's going to be a free. So it's kind of, it's a, you're almost going against yeah. them. You. Um, well, people often forget as well that referees are ambitious people and it's very much uh, a competitive environment. And sometimes you're standing there on the sideline and you're looking in and these guys are your colleagues and you're delighted that they're putting in such a massive performance. But at the back of it all, you're saying, you bastard you're doing the game I want to be doing and you're doing that well you're probably going to get the game that I want to do next so I mean it, it is a difficult it's a difficult dynamic but you know that is something that we get used to and we're all pals we're all good friends and 
Um, I certainly wouldn't wish ill on any referee um, because we're all there to help one another and, and just do the best job we can on the day. In saying that, being like the kind of the the, the whistlers union, I the the most abuse I've ever heard given to a referee was done kind of I can't say under the breath, but was done loud enough so that we could hear beside it between two or three referees from the same panel. Is there that level of like? You've said like, okay, you want them to do well, but like when you're sitting with a referee, will you be picking out the faults in the referee in performance or would you be watching the match? No, the referee in performance. I, I, I can't go and watch an inter-county match anymore and enjoy it because my mind is so tuned in to refereeing and the rules of the games and what's happening that I inherently just, and I, I just can't watch a match without looking at the referee uh, watching what he's at, commenting on his performance. And for the most part, and people don't realise this, for the most part, inter-county referees nail it nine times out of ten. They are nailing their performances. The, the standard is so high. Uh, it's just a lack of, of knowledge of the rules that, that leads to frustration among, among spectators. But it's very hard. I can go and watch hurling. I know nothing about hurling. I enjoy it for the spectacle that it is. I don't know the rules. I'm what, Sorry, I'm not as well educated in the rules as I am in Gaelic football, so I don't comment on it. Uh, and I can just sit back and watch it and watch, you know, all hell break loose. And as far as I'm concerned, they throw in the ball and, and then they blow the whistle after 35 minutes. I, I don't even know if the game has rules, but... Uh. <laughs> you, you, oh, you've you just lost, I'd say, quite a quite a large contingent of people who are thinking, not even off the day, fella. Last couple of questions. And just for... You, you brought up being a single-game man up in Dublin. Do you find that it's regardless of the or of the I was going to say oral, but the that's the, the mountains in Russia, the rural urban divide? Um, do you think that is getting easier now to go around the country? People just they like they either like you or hate you because, as I said, you're either for me or or you're a referee. They, everything else is put to one side. No, I don't think it's as as, as simple as that. Um, certainly, from speaking to people, um, there is still a huge discrepancy between the openness and transparency of gay life in Dublin and, and um, the major cities around Ireland compared uh, to rural life. It is still, unfortunately, a very taboo subject in the Gaelic uh, dressing rooms and clubs around the country, even though we're striving as an association to move things forward, albeit very slowly. Um, I get frustrated with that at times. But they, they are moving uh, and uh, it is slow progress and it is a very traditional, uh, difficult association to make changes within because of the structures, uh, the management systems uh, uh, and, and so on. But it will get there. I hope it gets there an awful lot quicker because there are still quite a number of young people um, around the country involved with Gaelic games um, who are coming to terms with their own sexuality. But that's not to say it's only young people. There are plenty of elderly men and women who married to the GAA rather than married to anyone else. The GAA became their family. Uh, it wasn't acceptable to be gay in Ireland at the time. And they are the club secretaries, chair people, the people that put out the flags and, and convene the meetings and look after the clubhouse because the GAA is their community and is their family. So they, they, they span all walks of life and all ages. I would say this, there is one part of, 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 of fantastic news coming from headquarters in the last couple of weeks that 
akin to the Out Tennis Association, which I play for in Dublin, which is for uh, openly gay uh, men to play tennis. We have the Dublin Devils for soccer. We have the Emerald Warriors for rugby. We have the Dublin Frontrunners for the, you know, running. Athletics. The first ever athletics, the first ever GAA team for LGBT um, with players uh, is going to be set up in Dublin in the coming year. And that is massive news that will probably come out. Uh, it is also already been released by, by the GAA and, and they're looking into the feasibility of it with the uh, Dublin County Board uh, moving forward. And, and that's massive. We only had to look back five years ago where I wasn't able to wear a wristband in Croke Park uh, to last year where we were allowed walk and pride for the first time ever. And now we're going to have the first uh, and I want to make this clear. This is not gay people saying we want to be tunneled in and only we can play this sport. This is a social thing for uh, you know gay people to be able to socially play together in a safe environment where they feel safe. That's all it is. It's not saying we're exclusively gay and if you're straight, you can't play, but it's, it's just a, a safe environment for, for gay men to enjoy competitive sport. And, and it's a huge move, a positive move, a step forward in the right direction. It does. I mean, it's it's interesting because when I interviewed John Horan, and of course, he, he one of the things he brought up, and he made a point of it, uh, was the fact that GA backed Pride, and he said that he actually said, "I'm proud of that." A man, you know, traditional man, school teacher, same as yourself, and for him, it's important to make sure that everyone is included. Stepping aside, do you think that it's it's harder for gay men to sort of let's just say be open in sports because for women it's more acceptable because for example i work with tennis players and you kind of like female tennis players you kind of knew well this one this one this one i'm not going to i'm not going to start naming names because some of them still are private uh, well, well i will because I, I had i play tennis as you know i'm a huge tennis fan i've been watching the us open all week and growing up i had martina navratilova amelie moresmo billy jean king uh I, I could name out loads more. Um, they were my idols growing up. I didn't have openly gay men as, as idols within tennis. I certainly didn't have them within, within sport. And I'm not going to have them even now within sport. If you ask people to name openly gay men competing in sport at the moment, you might get, uh, you might get Tom Daly. Someone might say uh, Nigel Owens. Someone else might say Gareth Thomas, even though he's retired. But then they're going to struggle. And that's really unfortunate in, 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 in world sports. And it is easier for, for women. I have two very close friends, uh, very high profile um, in, in Valerie um, Mulcahy um, from, from uh, uh, Cork, who found it much easier to be accepted uh, in, in the GA. And Lindsay Pete, of course, who has played soccer, Gaelic for Dublin, international rugby player, basketball. She's done it all. And, and, and they just, you know, it, I'm not saying it was easy, but it certainly was easier for them because there is a an acceptance for some reason. I don't know why, but that there's this image for some reason that if a, a man is playing sport in a competitive environment, that they're somewhat more effeminate um, because they're gay. And that's just not the case. Uh, it'll take time um, to see those male stars coming out. But when... Yeah, it's just saying it, it, it just seems for, for most people that um, uh, being gay might be have some sort of... Uh, a femininity um, attached to it and it's just not the case whatsoever um, a lot of my friends are, are openly gay they play sport albeit at a high level in, in rugby um, volleyball in, in, in tennis and, and it's quite acceptable 
there's just something around the locker room language and, and, and the sort of rural uh, communities in, in, in Ireland that just make it that little bit more difficult. But changes have been made. They're being made and slowly, but we will get there. And I'm there in the background working away all the time with the GA's diversity and inclusion officer. She completely has a pain in her backside listening to me, banging on about it the whole time. But um, she's a wonderful person and um, she's doing her best. So um, we, we will make change and we will get there eventually. Because it is something that I, with, the, with the GAA, we mentioned about the, the fans' behaviour. Um, <clears throat> it's something that I try to bring into different soccer clubs, say, for example, in Croatia or even Germany as well, and, and here in Russia, is that fans need to police other fans. And then when it goes down to the next level, it's players and administrators need to manage, like, you know, to, to um, marshal or police themselves as well. Because again, as you said, you know, it's like the, the locker room language. Sometimes it's just kind of off. In any case, it's... It, it just brings to mind, Alan, a, a, a fantastic um, initiative that uh, belong to have here for secondary schools, and it's called Stand Up Week. Uh, they have this lovely slogan for, for young people in secondary schools, and they're saying, what we're asking you to do is to be an ally for LGBT. And this goes across all things, okay? It doesn't have to be just about... LGBT issues, it can be race, ethnicity, um, and, and religious orientation, whatever it is. It's asking them not to be bystanders, but to be upstanders. It's very simple. It's a very simple concept. So don't stand by and allow something like that to happen, be it homophobic abuse. Stand up and call it what it is for your friends. Don't be a, a, a bystander, be an upstander. And I love their tagline with it. If everybody comes in to our world, then we don't have to come out. That, that's just such a powerful message. Final thing I want to say, because I, I would want to leave it on that, but I do want to say, say ask one more question. Your um, ambitions as a referee? Well, I would say that the performance I put in in the uh, drawn All-Ireland in 2019 was the most complete performance I have ever put in on a Gaelic football field. And I'm so proud to be able to say I did that on the biggest day in Irish sporting history for the last 20 years. But I won't say Irish sporting, but certainly within the GA in that drive for five. I certainly uh, fulfilled my duties as well as any of the best players on either team did that day. However, there is one thing that I would love to do, and I've always said it, and that is to referee the International Rules Series. I know some people uh, think it is, uh, you know, a silly idea and, you know, this compromise rules um, notion. But as a referee, for my association to think enough of me as a referee to referee a different sport, and that's what it is, it is a different sport, in an international capacity where I would have to referee my own country and be unbiased um, and referee against another country. That would be the pinnacle, I think, of, of my career. Uh, and I think there's an awful lot going with that. Uh, but obviously, I want to referee more All-Irelands. I, I don't know whether that's possible. Um, injury, age, motivation, uh, lots of things can get in the way. And I'm just a volunteer. And as soon as I don't want to volunteer anymore, I won't. And That'll be it. I'll be happy. I, I know I'll have done the best I can have done over, over a period of a number of years. 
David, on that note, um, I'm going to say that we're going to make sure that uh, both John Horne and Larry McCarthy hear this, the, the plea from the heart like that, that, you, that you want to referee the, the international <laughs> I, I, oh, I, I, by the way, make it clear, I don't want to referee the one in Dublin. I want to get my trip to Australia. Oh, gee. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell I'm you not what, being fussy at all. The tan <laughs> is fading already. I need to top it up, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to JJ. We'll get you to a couple of tournaments out in Europe and you can start there. Absolutely. Seville is perfect any time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Listen, thank you so much for your time on this. Uh, You're very welcome. And uh, the very best of luck and keep up the good fight. Uh, thanks for having me on hello to everyone in, in Gaelic Games Europe and hope to see you soon as the final whistle blows on this episode of this Sunday's Game we'd like to thank David Goff very much for his time and wish him the very very best of luck in the future and we hope to see him in Europe very soon whether it's at Sevilla or somewhere else and until next Sunday take care of yourselves and each other from the beautiful county of me Oh, beautiful me, you've got all that I need Your rivers, they flow with delight Your fields are so green, there's plains to be seen And your towns are so gay and so bright Fishing down on the boy, I remember the time You'd think it was all just a dream and wherever you roam, there's no place like home and the beautiful county of me.